I'm Charlie Hall, and welcome to Polygon Backstory, a podcast featuring conversations about the games we play. There's so much news, so many announcements happening every single day in the games press that it's hard to keep track of it all. Every few weeks, I'll pluck an individual or a topic out of the stream and bring them here for you. This week, my guest is journalist and author Andrew Gruen. Every writer has at least one good idea for a book, but only very rarely do they get a chance to see them published. And Andrew's is something special. And it's titled Empires of Eve, A History of the Great Wars of Eve Online. Here's some of my talk with Andrew. So if you think of a game like World of Warcraft, there's probably like 200 different servers, which are carbon copies of the World of Warcraft, uh, you know, World of Azeroth. And there's one in France for the, Fr- for the French to uh, access. There's one, I'm sure, uh, in Russia for the Russians and one in China for the Chinese players and so on and so forth. Generally, the Russian community will not interact with the American community and the the, uh, Saudi community will not interact with the South American community, so on and so forth. Uh, EVE Online is is a very special game because it has only one server. And so what that means is that the entire world coexists within this virtual space of, of New Eden. And that has all of these like fascinating um, like ripple effects where the real world culture is coming into play inside of EVE Online. There are um, all these different alliances and everything that come into the game that are specifically Russian or they're specifically Scandinavian or they're specifically American. And those kinds of culture clashes can have really interesting, really profound effects on, uh, effects on how the history of the game has actually played out. The other thing that makes EVE Online really special is there are these regions of the game there's i mean the majority of the game can basically be conquered by players and so you take your group and you go out into a star system and you plant your flag so to speak and you say this is our star system and there are mechanics in the game that allow you to become the official owner of that star system and exploit its resource wealth but there's actually a third reason why eve online is so special and that is that eve online um, has what I kind of like to call a complete cycle of production and destruction. And so what that means is that basically everything in the game uh, is constructed by the players from materials inside of the game. There's like there's such a thing as resource scarcity inside of EVE. If no one's mining a certain type of mineral, then you can't ever make things that require that type of mineral. Um, and so that's kind of balanced out by the fact that every round of ammunition, every um, spaceship, even some of the permanent infrastructure of the game is constructed by the players, but then can also be destroyed by the players. If your fleet is destroyed, that fleet is gone forever. It doesn't it doesn't respawn like it would in World of Warcraft. And so that creates these climactic moments where you have these battles between these or these huge organizations that we've been kind of describing uh, between at times thousands of players where these huge armadas of warships are being completely destroyed and lost forever and it's, it becomes this very very fascinating thing where these organizations are completely having at each other and the amount of brain power and brilliance and strategy that goes into winning these battles is immense and formidable 
I just wanted to go learn something about EVE Online. I wasn't trying to write a book. I was pretty sure in my head that something like this had already been done and I was just gonna go out there and find it and I was going to read it. Somebody had, I, I was so positive that somebody on a, on a wiki or on a forum somewhere had already written a pretty definitive guide to the history of EVE Online. And so I just went out there trying to, to learn something and, and be entertained by the story of EVE Online. Um, and when I kind of got there, I realized that it had never been done before and all of this information was being lost. Well, in what way was it being lost? That, it, unpack that for me. The ways that it was being documented were generally uh, on wikis or on forums or, or even in um, IRC logs um, that would just get kind of pasted uh, <laughs> into somebody's website somewhere. And those things have a really, really short shelf life because if that wiki gets shut down, uh, if the servers go down um, and you have to try to find that stuff on like an internet archive or something like that, like, you're never going to find what you're looking for if you have to look for something through. Uh, if you have to look in a needle in a haystack, in a needle in a haystack, which an internet archive kind of works like. And the other way that it's being lost is just that, you know, human memory is fallible and it gets more fallible every single day uh, as you get further away from the event that you're trying to remember. Um, people always think they're really good at remembering stuff, but what you find when you do work like this, when you do like historical work where you're trying to pin down their story to a very specific timeline and date range, is that people will remember events with startling clarity years later but be wrong about when that event took place by entire years. I've had the, the privilege of, of listening to a talk that you gave about the early chapters of the book. And I want to take just a, a tiny piece of the Great War. And if we could focus on it for a moment, if can you tell us a little bit about Eve's first Titan-class starship? And, and probably a good place to start would be to even explain what the birth of that ship really meant for the game and, and for the community. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book. It, it takes place probably about uh, you know two-fifths of the way through the book. And it's, it's this tremendous moment where this organization called Ascended Frontier uh, has decided, has committed themselves to building the very first Titan-class ship in EVE. And so what that means is that there were these ships that they introduced uh, in, I think, 2005, known as Titans. And Titans are these mammoth space vessels that take about three months to, com to construct inside of EVE Online, three months in human time, uh, like in the real world, three months will have passed before the thing is actually able to be constructed. Um, they're worth about $6,000 uh, USD. And so the commitment to construct one of these things uh, is, is, a, is a huge endeavor. Um, but is it wrong to call it like the, the Eve equivalent of a Death Star in a way? It, it is like I actually I, I tend to refer to it almost as like a digital Manhattan project um, because what ends up happening with this thing is it, these things are so powerful. They're so in this era of Eve, there were all of these sort of like doomsday uh, <laughs> like doomsayers in the community who were like, if anybody builds one Titan, the game is over. This thing is so powerful that it will alter the power balance of, of Eve Online forever and will never recover from it um, and obviously that didn't turn out to be the case but that sort of panic had you know repercussions on, on what was going to happen inside the game when someone tried to build one of these things and so Ascendant Frontier uh, commits themselves to building one of these things and but they're the guy who runs Ascendant Frontier is this guy named Cyvok 
is really smart. He's actually a, he's a satellite communications expert for the US military. Uh, and he knows that nobody else in EVE Online is going to allow, just allow him to construct this thing. If they figure out what he's building and where he's building it, they're going to swoop in. The, every All of his enemies are going to ally together and they're going to just crush his entire empire or just just come into that shipyard and just blow it up and leave because they're just saying no absolutely not you cannot have this thing um it's it's not unlike the way that the real world reacts when we find out that a new country is attempting to build a nuclear bomb and so I, I tend to think of it as a sort of a digital Manhattan project because it required all these different sources of like covert misinformation in order to keep this thing a secret. And there had to be literally, literally thousands of human beings who were contributing to the construction of this thing who had no idea what they were actually working on. There was only like two or three people at the very top of this organization known as Ascendant Frontier who actually understood what it was that they were working on. And so there's all these different misinformation campaigns going on. They were actually building essentially a decoy Titan uh, in another in another star system. And they, this guy, he was very smart. He he knew that there were elements inside of his organization uh, that were not pleased with him as a leader, and they wanted to overthrow him. And there's very complex reasons for that that I kind of get into in my book, but he knew that if he gave them information about the titan that they would leak it and so he gave them information about the decoy titan uh titan build project and then sure enough those dissenters within his alliance leaked that false information to all of his adversaries and kept them confused for a certain amount of time and there were all these different things that he was doing in order to keep this thing a secret and so finally, eventually, I believe it was on September 25th, 2006, this thing is like actually about to be born. It's this wonderful moment where like the, the, the top brass of Ascendant Frontier has gotten themselves together. They're going to this star system where this, this new Titan is about to be born, like the mightiest ship in the galaxy. The flagship of Ascendant Frontier is about to be born. And it's this hilarious moment where they're watching the countdown and, and the countdown's like, you know, three, two, one. And they're watching, they're waiting to see this thing like slip out of the docks into space. But then right when the countdown finishes, nothing happens. Wait, what do you mean nothing happens? Like the, the ship doesn't show up the way it's supposed to and everybody starts panicking. Like I'm amazed that nobody had a heart attack in that moment because their $6,000 ship that they spent three months building just didn't show up because there was a bug in the game code. What had happened was CCP Games didn't expect anybody to be able to build one as fast as Ascended Frontier had been able to build this Titan. They were tremendous experts of industry and they built this thing incredibly quickly. And they hadn't yet finished writing the code to allow a, a Titan vessel to be spawned from this particular type of in-game infrastructure. And so nothing happened in this moment. Two minutes later, like a, uh, a game master shows up and very unceremoniously spawns a Titan-class vessel. The mightiest ship ever in the game gets sort of just plopped down into space right next to them. I gotta ask, though, when, when you are, you know, a dozen guys sitting in an IRC channel watching Eve fly by on your other monitor, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you name the greatest starship ever to be created in the biggest online space opera game ever made. The leader of, of Sun and Frontier, this guy I mentioned named Cyvok, 
gives this speech. I have my book in front of me. Uh, he, he gives this little mini speech and he says, you know, the complete the completion of this Titan represents another true first for Eve, brought forth by the hard work and dedication of all the members of Ascendant Frontier. Together there is no challenge we cannot accomplish. The face of warfare in Eve has just changed forever. Now let's name the bugger. And they do. And they name it Steve. Steve the Titan. <laughs> was there any particular reason they went with Steve? So I, I've, I've the rumor, uh, the rumor is that they that this was back in 2006, which I believe was when Steve Irwin had just passed away, and I believe it was it was named as a tribute to to Steve Irwin. Uh, not sure if it was in jest or not. That was kind of an internet proto meme at the time back in 2006. Um, but yeah, this is one of those themes with with this book and with you online in general is that there are these incredibly serious things that happen all of the time uh, in Eve Online. There are these huge wars that happen that require like the, the effort and work and logistics of thousands of individuals. But then once in a while, something just so internet happens, like where they, they don't they don't they don't name this ship like Armageddon Dawn or like Patriotic Victory Peace or something like that. Like they name it Steve of all things because they're. Like you, it brings you back to reality for a moment, and you re you remember what is happening here. And what's happening is that this is a bunch of a bunch of people just having fun on the internet, and their grand war stories are a byproduct of them having fun on the internet. Well, but but of course, it's an online game, and so there are things that happen in online games that we don't always anticipate. We have lives, those of us that play games, that we have to <laughs> attend to on occasion, even when we're running yes. a massive virtual corporation inside a virtual universe. So, so what happened to the Titan, Steve? So... Band of Brothers announces this this gigantic invasion of Ascendant Frontier territory in late 2006, and it is, the, at the time, the largest war in the history of the game. These are two mammoth organizations uh, who were absolutely, at the time, considered the number one and number two most powerful entities in the game, and everybody kind of really wanted to see what happened when these two just behemoths went head-to-head. -head. You had Ascendant Frontier, who was famed for their achievements in industry and building these enormous thousand-ship fleets. Uh, but Band of Brothers was much smaller, but they had this sort of like Sparta thing going on in their own in their own heads. They loved to think of themselves as like the few but the mighty, who had these these fleets with no weak links in them, and they were just they were they could fight any force two times their size. And so, Band of Brothers invades Ascendant Frontier, and they're having like a ton of success right away. And what happens is there's one day. Band of Brothers achieves uh, a really notable victory. They take a space station away from Ascendant Frontier that's really important uh, logistically, and Ascendant Frontier kind of panics, and they're not sure what they need to do because they, they're, they're not confident enough to go for a head-on assault and try to take this, this station back. So what they do is they go for sort of a flanking attack, and they take out one of Ascendant Frontier's logistic bases, uh, bases like they're launching, forward launching posts. And in order to conquer this base, they bring Steve the Titan to the fight. And what ends up happening is this this relatively small battle occurs. This like medium-sized battle occurs in this system called C9NCC, 
where Band of Brothers shows up to defend uh, this system and a battle ensues and the Titan gets off a few quick shots and then uh, retreats really quickly. This and the battle ends and it's just sort of this skirmish thing that happens out in this in this system. And they all warp off into these the, what are called deep space hiding spots, which is just to say like they run away really, really far away from any planets or asteroids or landmarks so that it becomes essentially impossible to be found. Um, but what's happening at this time is there's this pilot a guy by the name of Valora, who is uh, scanning the outer reaches of this star system, looking for uh, an ambush. He's looking to see if uh, Ascendant Frontier is going to assemble a new force and attack them again. And when he's doing this, he he pings to Steve the Titan. Like, Steve the Titan is just sitting out there in, in deep space all by itself. It just shows up on his radar? Like, he's sitting at his computer and looking at his scanner and, like, there's Steve? It's just sitting there. And the weirdest part of all is the pilot's not online. There's just this ship sitting out there in deep space doing nothing. Band of Brothers freaks out. They gather every ship they possibly can, like the hastiest little fleet that they could possibly put together, and they warp out there as quickly as possible, and they just start pounding into the hull of this thing, and there's nothing's happening. And then in the middle of this this skirmish, this thing that's happening, Saivok comes online inside of the Titan, looks around, sees the entire siege fleet of Band of Brothers surrounding him, and just logs back offline because he knows it's over. In about five minutes, Steve the Titan is destroyed. The mightiest ship in EVE Online history worth about $6,000 goes up in flames uh, and the first Titan kill in, in EVE's history is recorded. You can actually go to C9NCC to this day and go see the wreckage of Steve the Titan that still floats through the uh, the blackness of space in that system to this day, which is something that I, I adore. And I hope one day I get to make a pilgrimage out to that, that system in a, in a stealth ship and go see it myself. So what became of Saivok? What became of this great leader, this great commander of Steve? So what happens to Saivok is, as I mentioned, he is a, um, a satellite communications expert for the U.S. military. He's a, he's a relatively high-ranking guy. His career had been going really well for him. And running also running an organization inside of EVE, especially one the size of Ascendant Frontier with thousands of members, is a full-time job with no exaggeration. We're talking like a 40 to 60 hour a week job to do this. He wasn't doing anything else besides doing his, his military job and, and running his organization inside of EVE Online. So he was this very stressed out guy at this time. And then in a flash, this his like the crown jewel of his empire gets taken away from him and Saivok decides he's done he can't take this anymore he tries to hand the reins off to his second in command in Ascendant Frontier and he just quits Ascendant Frontier altogether and when he does that there's this there's this sort of panic inside of Ascendant Frontier because not only has Steve the Titan been killed, but their leader has now abandoned ship in the middle of this war and the barbarians are at the gates. Band of Brothers is pounding on the door trying to break into their, you know, their headquarters, basically. And everybody inside of Ascendant Frontier says, well, this is it. We're done. This is, this is the moment. Civilization itself is falling and we all need to start looking out for ourselves now. And the organization begins to crumble from the stress of losing both Steve the Titan and Cybok at the same time. And within about two weeks of that event happening, this organization known as the Senate Frontier um, loses about 3,000 members and ceases to exist. 
and Band of Brothers swoops in, conquers all of their territory, and takes dominion over the largest swath of territory that any, any empire uh, had ever conquered at that stage in Eve Online's history. How close were you able to get to the primary sources? Do, were you able to talk to Saivak? Yeah, I talked to Saivak for many hours, um, and Saivak is, is a very nice guy, he's a very kind guy, he's clearly a very smart guy. Um, and it was always fun talking to him because his voice would sort of oscillate between two different tones, uh, either incredibly prideful or incredibly annoyed, uh, depending on whether he was talking about his alliance or if he was talking about a, a band of brothers. Uh, there were all these different things where you got you really got a sense from talking to this guy in particular that this was something that still kind of hurt him the way that this had gone. Uh, because the pretext to all of this is that Ascendant Frontier and Band of Brothers were like loosely allied before this. He was not happy that it happened because there were so many better strategic moves here and he ended up having to fight a war against Band of Brothers that was completely unnecessary. There are so many more interesting vignettes in the book and it's one of the reasons that I'm so excited for it to show up on my doorstep so I can I can spend a couple of days pouring through it and and learning more about what all of these people all of these players have have been creating for years but you know your history like you said earlier comes to an end how is Eve different today what is it like post Great War it's, it's, it's a little, it's too easy to look at something like the Great War as this, just this video game fight between people who don't like each other. Um, when in reality, you can very much look at it as a battle for the soul of EVE Online. Um, in, the, in the first few years of EVE Online, uh, there were these organizations, um, like Band of Brothers is the best example, who they, they very much role-played. They, they loved having the persona of, of sort of space dictators. But what ends up happening is a different culture forms inside of EVE Online that is, that is spearheaded uh, by the Goon Swarm, uh, which is this very, this very modern style of, of, of acting on the internet. It's very jokey, it's very, it's meme -y. It's very full of just sort of being trolly and trying to never take things too seriously. And so the Great War turns into this, this fight for how EVE Online is going to proceed. How, how are we going to act inside of EVE Online? Because EVE has this sort of factor to it that whoever is the strongest at any given time gets to kind of dictate what the culture is like how people are going to act and how they're going to treat each other. Are they going to sort of role play in this, in this vision of themselves as space dictators and, and space conquerors? Or are they going to act more like the goons and they're going to not take this too seriously and just poke around and have fun? And the Great War, I think, turns very much into this battle for the soul of EVE Online as the goons are trying to fight to overthrow this, this vision of how EVE Online should be that is run by Band of Brothers and install their own vision. Uh, for how EVE Online is supposed to be uh, treated. You can find out more about Andrew's book at evehistory.com. This week's soundtrack features the song Below the Asteroids from the official soundtrack to EVE Online. You can find a link to that track in the show notes. You can find Polygon Backstory online at polygon.com backstory and 
on iTunes. That's also where you can rate this show and leave a review, which would mean an awful lot to me. If you'd like to reach me, drop a line to charlie at polygon.com, or you can find me on Twitter at charlie underscore L underscore Hall. Thanks for listening. 